Venomores, a podcast about hunting for people who don't hunt, or haven't hunted, or haven't hunted much, want to learn, or want to learn. Feel that tingling in the back of my neck. You have to be there. You have to be there. You, you don't know it at the time, yeah. you know, but it sticks with you all your life. And you you don't experience those things unless you are a hunter. Hey, Jim, Adam. I'm doing great. Uh, just a few questions. Um, Caitlin, I'm going to pick on you because you said you're, you're kind of the crossover here. Yeah. Um, but Michelle, feel free to jump in as well. So you said you have a lot of like backpacking, hiking friends, you know, outdoor people, but not consumptive users. So I'm, I, and you said you need to get more women in hunting. So I, I'm going to pick on you. How are you? I mean, are you going to recruit? How are you going to recruit? Yeah, I mean, I mean I do you share some wild game? That's usually how I start. <laughs> I'm like, here, try this. And they're like, oh, wow, how do I get more of that? Well, here's how, you know. I do share wild game. And, yes, I recruited Michelle. Um, I, frankly, I don't have a ton of women friends outside of work. Um, and... That being said, I bring venison to work every time there is a potluck. <laughs> That's how we started talking about this. This actually. is how, yeah. yes, this is how I got Tony to talk. Well, that mm-hmm. and you sent me um, videos of bears climbing up into people's tree oh, stands. Yeah. The <laughs> first time I was That's hunting, fantastic. that was very oh, nice of you. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yep. Like, oh, I'm going hunting. <laughs> For the first time, and I said, okay, look out for this <laughs> YouTube video, Black Bear. I didn't tell you what happened that, that same year that no. um, our neighbors actually shot the largest oh, yeah, bear, yeah. the largest black bear in Minnesota history. In the neighbors. <laughs> that same year. I was very land. mad at you for that. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I, I share venison as often as I can. I, I talk about it pretty openly with people that I know. Um and by that, I mean, I, I do have to know a decent amount about a person before I say I hunt to them because I'm, I am very, very liberal, um, politically. And a lot of my friends are also very, very liberal and hate guns and hate hunting. And, you know, when the Cecil Lyon thing happened, I had a ton of people come to me and be like, how the hell can you hunt? And very angry with me personally. I was like, well, I didn't kill the lion. Like what are, okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I, I try to talk about it as much as I can, and I try to share the food as much as I can, but Michelle is my only taker so far. (laughs) Do you find it hard? I understand how in certain crowds, and maybe even in the neighborhood we're sitting in right now, uh, that could be, you have to find your opportunity to open up that conversation, right? Do you find that hard? I find it extremely difficult, honestly. Um, the The easiest way to breach the subject is through food, is through talking mm. about it in a way of... And, and you know, that, that's actually how I got into it, and so it's easy for me to talk about it in this way, but to talk about hunting in a way of sourcing your own food, of it being actually better for the animal to have had a, like, awesome, wild, free life before it was killed. And, again, as I said, I kind of pride myself in never having injured an animal. So I know every animal I've shot has died 
almost instantaneously. And so that's actually, like, to me, better than what our accepted... The industrial foods yes. reflects. Yeah, it's, it's better. I think it's better than how we have industrialized our food and our meat in particular. And so that's how I talk about it with people. Um, I have a really close friend um, who actually, like, is very against hunting, but he's very for like being self-sustaining and so he and I have a ton of arguments about that um, because I don't understand how if you're self-sustaining you can still buy store-bought meat. For sure. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. So. I enjoy talking about I actually have no problem with this. <laughs> I'm, a huge, I'm a huge social media person so I am that person who will post the New York Times article that's very liberal, that's kind of shooting down whatever is happening in Congress at the time, and then the next thing I post is me shooting at a ring. You're not scared to argue about it either. I I, and, I'm, and to Tony, Tony understands I'm not scared to have conversation about it. It's like from a very intelligent place that's almost intimidating to bring up arguments against it, to be honest. <laughs> But I think that it's important for people to understand that that these things actually that people can that you do not have to live within a paradigm. They're not related. They're not, They're not related in any way. I, I think that's the the most frustrating thing that I find is that the second somebody knows that I own guns, they're like, oh, oh, and I'm like, okay, a responsible gun owner. I would rather be around a responsible gun owner in a any situation over somebody who doesn't know anything about guns. Because a responsible gun owner isn't going to be irresponsible with a gun. A person who knows nothing about guns, I mean, sorry, I'm talking about situations For that sure. involve guns. Well, it's, it's a tool <laughs> well, to be used responsibly. Yes, it is. And, mm -hmm. and I think too often you, people only focus on the extremes. Mm -hmm. And the extremes look bad for anybody in any given situation. Now, I think one of my, actually my favorite, and I don't know that you and I have ever had this conversation or I've ever shared this story with you, but when we were at your cabin in the afternoon, we were all having some beers and there was some free conversation, some political conversation that was yeah. actually happening. And now when you walk, okay, so when you walk into the mudroom at Caitlin's parents' house, it's about the size of my kitchen. There are probably no fewer than 30 Rifles hanging up on the uh, yeah, the they're wall. everywhere. They're they're everywhere. They're like everywhere. they're just they're just there. They're yeah. just hanging. Rifles, bows, everything. Coveralls, it's, boots. It's camo, all there. Everything. But um, you know, her her father was standing someplace. I I I don't think he was elevated, but I kind of felt like he was elevated. <laughs> like he took a stance in the middle of the room, and while we were talking, and he started to rail on his opposition to the NRA. Oh yeah. He hates NRA. I hate that NRA, actually. And I thought that that, I'm like, this is a fascinating moment. Because mm -hmm. this man has about 40 weapons that are just, you know, on hooks over there. Yeah. Um, and you would sort of have this parrot, and he lives in a in a, in a cabin, you yeah. know, in the middle of, off of a gravel road that yes. took eight miles to get to. A wood-fired cabin, right? A wood Don't yes. they burn wood for heat? Yes. 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 And so yeah. you have this paradigm, and yet... The very person that you would expect to be kind of a hellfire, uh -huh, yeah. in fact, doesn't like the NRA. No. And I'm like, 
this is what everything that is right about society right here mm -hmm. because this is where we break all the paradigms it's completely unexpected and it busts through every difficult conversation that people have right there that's what we do michelle we've got a southern california liberal a former vegetarian <laughs> yeah. and a north dakota native that all go deer hunting together every year and i also i want to i want to point this out so you guys have not been able to experience this with my dad yet give it a year or two and you'll you'll get there um my my sister is pretty conservative I am, as I already said, <laughs> extremely liberal. Mm -hmm. um, my dad is relatively unknown because He's an interesting <laughs> position. No, because on his his like goal in life is he will start a political argument with my sister and I, and he will take her side, mm -hmm. and he will like just get me to argue and then halfway through that conversation he will Switches. switch to my side and get my sister <laughs> to argue and and frankly i want to be like that because he knows so much about both sides and he knows so much about what is going on in general and like to be completely honest i don't know what the fuck his view is <laughs> but he knows both and he can argue both he feels it feels like to me that he prefers most people to not know to, to not he likes to live in that space where everybody isn't sure if yeah. he's serious about what he's arguing or not. He does. I, and and I, I think I get it. And I think I, the, what I love about that is that he just, he's a good guy. He wants to continue being a good guy. Right. He wants to be around good people. I mean, and that doesn't really matter on your political view. He's trying to make you prove it, too. That, too. He's trying to make you prove <laughs> your opinion. Mm -hmm. Yes. And in the middle of that, He's also very excited that you just got your first deer on his property. Okay, Another yeah. thing he does that I really, really like is uh, when you shoot a deer, he's got a journal. And everyone that goes there and shoots their deer, everyone who got a deer, he gives them the journal and says, write the story. And he's got, I don't know how many he's got, but it was a pretty big book oh, of every time he shoots a deer and every time anyone else there shoots a deer, he's like, I, I, I said, what... What do you mean, right? And he's like, just write whatever you want there. Just tell the story, though. Every year, it doesn't fail. My dad, my mom, my sister, myself, we get into an argument of, no, that was five years ago. No, that was three years ago. And then we look he at the journal. <laughs> yep. That's amazing. But I've talked about my dad a lot. I, I really actually just want to throw this in there. My mom is probably a huge reason. I also didn't even consider me hunting an issue or a barrier. Because my mom, my dad always joked that he married my mom because she came with her own gun and her own fishing pole. <laughs> <laughs> she she has always been an outdoors person, and she goes out and hunts. She she bow hunts, she gun hunts, and she is part of the whole process as well. And it's a ton of fun to have her part of it. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she gets out there with the bow uh -huh. and all that stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question. Okay. Um, maybe not so much directed at you, Miller, but um, to the two <laughs> Hold on, I have to stop you really quick. Tony, did you tell him to call me Miller? <laughs> he always refers, he always to, refers you to you as Miller. <laughs> Sorry. Well, right, right. Your wife is the only person that calls you Adam. I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go ahead. I love it. Okay, so maybe more to sure. the two of you. Yeah. Um, since you've been deer hunting even less time than I have. 
um, what have you learned? What did, what did oh, you boy. learn from your, uh, Michelle, first year hunting? And, and Tony, what have you learned about deer hunting? Oh, boy. Do you want me to share mine first? Yeah, please. I am start. I, I'm not great at it, but I am starting to learn how to identify the age of a deer. I mean, relative age. Um, so I think my second year, I shot a very small deer, a yearling, and I was actually I didn't like it. I didn't like doing that. It was a little bit too small. I mean, okay, let's be real. It tasted freaking delicious, but. Um, it was a little too small for me to be comfortable with, and so I started to learn how to tell the age of a deer. Okay. I learned all sorts of things from <laughs> starting, because, you know, I grew up mostly bird hunting with my dad, and uh, I was talking to friends about that recently, telling them that I've been doing a podcast and things like that, and they're like, really? I didn't know you hunted. And I was like, well, I did growing up, but my parents were split very young and I'd go do things with my dad and that was the time with my dad and when I went back home to my mom where I lived full time that was what I did there and the world's never really crossed over so I never really considered it that's just how life was but there are certain things that I learned and certain things that I would more say I remember um but a lot of things having grown up in the culture uh I didn't realize about at the time were more of the conservation aspect side of things the uh financing of public lands because i was also in the boy scouts which i talked about a bunch that takes full advantage of public lands and i didn't know that most of that came from hunting and fishing um there's kind of been a journey about not just hunting specifically but becoming self-sustaining in general and being capable in my life to do anything that comes in front of me I want to do that, and I still think I have a long way to go. But there's a lot of that that comes with being able to find, shoot, butcher, cook, eat your own food. And I learned volumes about that. And just, I thought it was riding the truck on section lines, and if it doesn't say posted, in your view, you go shoot pheasants out there. <laughs> And if there's some ducks on a prairie pothole, you try and come up on them, right? So you don't have to send the kids for a swim to go get the ducks, and that's it. And there's a whole world to all of this that we've been going on about now and I have in the past that's all fairly new to me. Um, that I is, is a wide angle on something that I was familiar with before. Um, specifically about deer is the really getting elbows deep in it. I oh, yeah. learned because like I said, I've seen it done before, but I've never done it myself and there's something to it. Um, also I learned a lot about organ meat. Organ meat was always off the table forever, but my heart was one of the favorite parts that I had last year. Um, I'm looking for kidneys and Miller doesn't eat liver cause it's a filter and he's a biotech guy. Um, but sure, I, get I get it. I'm going, I'm going all organ meat this year. Um, I'm not a fan of kidneys, squishy bits. so if you ever make kidneys that, like, you make a kidney dish and you're like, this is really delicious, let mm -hmm. me try it. I've not liked kidneys before, but I'll try them again. I'm going for the oysters this year if I get a buck, <laughs> for sure. I'm doing all of it. I'm going for all of it. And uh, the whole, uh, another thing is I may have an opportunity to go coyote hunting soon, mm -hmm. and uh, it's opened up 
the possibility of what's even considered food. Like I was talking to a friend that I work with about coyote hunting and how I might have that opportunity. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, cause I don't know about you Miller, but where I was growing up, when we went, when we were growing up, if you saw a coyote, it was your ordained responsibility to jump out of the truck and shoot that song bitch. Do you eat coyote? See, I'm going to, I, I don't mean, know if you yeah. do. But I'm going to. My my thing is that if I, I want to try whatever I'm going to. So I right. I would love I would love to hunt a predator. Mm-hmm. Um, wolves are off the table because they look too much like dogs, and I'm not far enough along in my hunting career that I can disassociate. Because again, Bambi was my favorite movie. Like I've come a long way. Right. <laughs> but I would love to. I would love to shoot a bear. Mm-hmm. Um. Super delicious. Cook it thoroughly. I've never had bear. So Miller gave me my first bear. There you go. I I have a friend who's going to let me try bear, and if I like it, I'm going bear hunting. Yeah. But my thing is I I do need to be able to eat whatever I kill. Yeah, and that's my thing too is I've said it on this podcast is I think that if you're going to shoot it, you should eat it, and if you're going to eat it, you should do the work and butcher it yourself. And when, if and when I go coyote hunting, I'm not, I don't know what the standard is on coyotes, Miller. <laughs> like, do most people eat or not eat coyotes? It's mostly for the fur, right? Mostly for furs. Um, you, you'll find some people that have tried it, and some people say it's at least palatable, but most people that have tried it have said never again. And so if you're going to do it, I would do it like a low and slow praise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, I'm not going to shoot it and not eat it. I'll try it. Mostly I want to make a sweet coyote hat out of it. But <laughs> uh, I'm going to eat it. And my friend at work was like, that's something that I've has turned on to me is, you know, what food actually even is or what could even be considered food. Um, a friend of mine was like, oh, I would never eat it. And I was like, too much like a dog? And he said, it is a dog. And I was like, well, I mean, share your unpopular opinion. If worse came to worse, man, I have a dog and I wouldn't be mad about, you know. I it's might, an animal. I might try it if the situation called for it. Just saying. Coyote's first step away. Now, I don't know if I'd eat a monkey. That might be too close to home, but. That's too much like, like eating a relative. Yeah. <laughs> Too close to home on that one. I'd feel I'd be very conflicted about bush meat. But what what did you learn? Michelle? What did I learn? Yeah. Um. Honestly, I learned that at least deer hunting in particular was one of the most peaceful things I've ever done. Really? Yep. Okay. Time outside in the woods. It was quiet. It was, I, I was with somebody, but it was, we were both just very meditative, waiting for something to happen. And even when I actually shot the deer in that little moment of chaos, yeah, you know, I had only fired a gun at a range. And they're big, and they're noisy, and they're powerful, and that's actually part of the adrenaline kick, right? It's part of what makes them fun. One of the things that really struck me about this, and I've talked about it a lot with people, yeah. is when I pulled, when I stood there and I, I, I held the gun and I pulled that trigger, unlike the range, I, I hardly heard it. Yep. I hardly felt it. Yep. It just, it was, I, I took a deep breath, I just breathed, and it just happened, and the deer flailed a little bit, and I just quickly you know, reloaded and took a second shot. And that mm-hmm. went through the back of the head. It was actually a really nice shot. And she went down. Now, at that point, to be fair, 
you and I giggled quite a bit because oh, we were yeah. kind of excited. <laughs> <laughs> also, again, we had just come back from going to pee and hadn't even sat down yet. Yeah, so it was like a thing. But just in, but there were, but to me, there were so many moments about it that were so peaceful. And again, this is going to sound strange, but sort of sitting with your dad, um, and when he was um, gutting um, Brandon's deer and he was walking me through it, it was just so, it was quiet. We were talking about something serious. We took it back. It, you know, it with all of the fun and everything else, there was just something about it that was so calming. And that sounds bizarre, but I swear to God it was true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I've, I've spoken about that. You know, because we had a whole podcast on Tony and kind of read some stuff about hunting being kind of an outlet for aggression or anger for some people. And while I'm okay with that, I'm, I'm the same with you, Michelle. When I'm, when I'm in the stand of hunting, I'm a lot more, I'm a lot closer to a feeling of serenity than I am to anything else. Yeah. So I have, to me, that's not weird at all. To me, that is, you're, you're speaking um, to my, my bleeding heart on that. So <laughs> Yeah, that's so. how I felt. And, you know, I'm that way with a lot of things. When it comes to the really big stuff, when I'm hitting, when I'm doing something, when I power lift, and I'm going for a really big lift, um, a PR, you know, 275 pounds um, on my frame. A lot of people, when they go to do that lift, they get themselves super hyped. There's a lot, even women too, you know, they, there's a lot of, there's loud music and there's a lot of hype. And they, mm -hmm. they get their, their juices flowing to pull. I'm, a, I'm the opposite. I get into a zen place. I'm very, I, I cut, I take off my headphones. I don't listen to music. I take deep breaths and I slow everything down in my head in order to do that because it's scary as hell. And I think that hunting for me is about the same thing. When I go to pull the trigger. It probably helps you a lot with hunting with like aiming accurately. And... Just slow everything down and really, and, but I said what was, what was most amazing to me is because I had only ever shot a gun in a range. And it was so surprising to me that when I was outside in the moment, how much less I was aware of the actual gun. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. You don't. You don't hear it. Mm -hmm. You don't feel it. I mean, your adrenaline is going so much that it doesn't even register. I think. Yeah. One of the biggest problems I have with aiming and target shooting is my um, tendency to anticipate. Mm -hmm. Anticipate the uh, the recoil. Me too. And that was one thing I clearly did not do no. in that moment is I did not make that mistake. I thought that was really interesting. Well, I can tell you, I'm 30, 32 now. I've harvested a lot of big game animals, and that is yet to go away from me. Yeah. Like, I, I can focus. I can still see in my mind's eye everything that happened, but I don't remember the recoil. I don't remember, the sh like, hearing it, you know? And then, so I don't know if it will ever go away. I kind of hope it doesn't. You know, so. I really hope it doesn't. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still very new in my hunting career. I think I said five years earlier. This year is going to be my sixth, and I I feel like the, the newness of it has only just worn off, and so now I'm at the aspect where I'm I'm really wanting to learn more, and I'm nothing has diminished for me. I just am more excited to learn more about it, you know, and so I, I really hope that it never wears off. Hey, what's everybody's favorite gun for deer hunting? 
Oh boy. Oh no. You want to oh, start no. an argument on the internet? You just started an argument on the internet. Dude, I'm so excited about this. I shot last yeah. year. I shot a 270 because I I don't own a rifle yet. I keep borrowing from other people. This year, my boyfriend actually had a 303 British, and it's like 70 years old. That's a great gun. I'm super excited about that one. I've been enjoying shooting that one. So, yeah. like, what do you got? What do you think? Totally depends on where you're shooting, but mm -hmm. I got a 270 as well because. <laughs> Personally, I think it's the best for, um, you don't need to shoot far in the woods, yeah. but if I want to take it out west, I can. Okay. Right. And we've talked about this too, and I mean, I have a hand-me-downs hand-me-down, and it's, uh, yeah, 270, because we're if we see a 100-yard shot at your parents' place, that's a long shot for us. The longest shot that was ever taken at my parents, because we mm -hmm. pace it out usually, was mine, and it was 95 yards. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. How about you? What do you, what do you shoot deer with, man? Um, no, so I'm, I'm like Caitlin's father in that I have an arsenal, <laughs> so it's kind of whatever tickles my fancy. <laughs> So, uh, anything from a, a very, very expensive uh, uh, Kimber and a 300, since I open up some very open country where I might need to reach out a couple hundred yards, yep. to, uh, I'm hoping to get real up close and personal this year with a rifle that would have been uh, about a decade old by the time Teddy Roosevelt went into office. It's chambered in the whole 3220. Uh, it kind of sounds like a pop gun going off when you shoot it, and uh, I'm hoping to take one with that this year, actually. So but I'm going to have to really pick my shots and get very close to do it. So. And at the same time, so. I've heard people make an argument for a 243 that over distance oh. it loses velocity less than any other... Uh, than any other type of rifle. And, I mean, I don't know. I'm not one of these ballistics guys that knows all the ballistics coefficients and muzzle velocity and all that stuff, but I've heard arguments made for every type of yeah. firearm. Yeah, I mean, I knew somebody um, who loved their 308. That was, yeah. their, that was their rifle of no, choice. No, a lot of guys that shoot 30 out 6. And take a 243. Mm -hmm. you're, you're good on that up to, like, right that's gonna just go pretty through so my mom has mm -hmm. a 243 yeah. and i know this sadly from experience yeah. she she shot one a little bit longer than 100 yards yeah. um and it kind of pushed out everything because oh, it broke up too much it lost and, velocity, yeah. um luckily somebody else who was hunting then shot it and killed mm -hmm. it but i mean it's still very accurate gun. right all placement is absolute key um any one of the calibers we've talked about here will do the job. It's, it's, it's where you shoot. So uh, I, I don't, I'm not a big advocate of you got to have this caliber. You got to, it's like, as long as you can shoot it comfortably, go with that. <laughs> I'll tell you this, though. I'm going to buy a new gun for our bear hunt. Yeah, okay, I like you. Yeah. Are we talking black bear or brown bear? Black bear. Black bear. Black bear. Uh, not going to be the world's biggest thing. And I was thinking about buying or bringing my 270, but I might buy something a little bigger as an excuse to buy something a little bit bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Nice. And uh, you know, oh, can't go hunting uh, bear without a redundant bear safety system. So I'm gonna also probably need a 44 Magnum or yeah. something a little bigger as well. But nice. you know, 
Today. For it, those who can't see the sky, Miller's got his head back laughing. In the, I mean, I I'm said. shaking my head off. At the yes. today, there was yep. a guy who was shooting. So we, we shot our rifles. Um, my, my Howie, my boyfriend, he was trying to sight in um, another rifle and was working on that. And then we moved over to the pistol range. And he has a Glock 9 that he hadn't shot in a long time, so he was shooting that. guy mm -hmm. next to us was shooting Glock 10. Mm -hmm. That is a big... The ten millimeters. That sucker's got. It felt like a moment in the handgun world, right now. Like, yeah. it felt like a forty. It mm -hmm. didn't. It wasn't as big as a forty-five because a forty-five almost knocked me over mm -hmm. the first time. See, and I like a nineteen eleven. Woohoo! Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it was a that was a good one, and he mm -hmm. actually talked about the fact that you could stop a bear with it. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So black bear at least. But, but a nice but, and basic, not too expensive. Yeah. I'm gonna say it doesn't matter what kind of gun you have when it comes to a bear, though, because right. Okay, side story. One of my favorite things about hunting and hunters is the stories. I love <laughs> yes. the stories. I love the stories. Let me tell you a story about old Johnson up on the neighbor's place. I love the made-up stories. South I love 40, the stories. Up in the timbers, that bear came piling out of there at 40 miles an hour. You never guess what he did. No. One of those right, exactly, exactly. By the way, you can't thing. stop a bear. Isn't that the big thing? This yeah. is, this is yeah. my, one of my favorite stories mm -hmm. of bear hunting. Uh, a, fam a friend, um, neighbor, I mean, they live very close to my parents. Um, you unload a forty-five into a bear's head, it's not going to stop charging you. Not the head, nope. So, placement is key. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> a bear's head is, bear's skull is quite hard. And yeah. a gun's not going to penetrate that in enough time before it eats you. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, bear, <laughs> if it's big enough. That's a really good question because bear meat, you got to brine that, don't you? That's not something no, that I'm necessarily going to prepare, I heard. The only thing I know about it is you got to cook it to a certain temperature because they're trichinosis carriers. Right. And the only thing I know about it is you got to get the fat off it right away and you can't age it. Miller would be the expert on the rest of it. <laughs> When it comes to the bear fat, a lot of it depends on what they've been consuming. Um, so you are you are what your food eats, essentially. So a big thing that used to be is people would render down bear fat because it use it for whatever they needed for, anywhere from frying donuts to what have you. So you take a little chunk of that fat, you fry it up. That can be really delicious, again, depending on what the bear ate. If they eat fish yep. or if they're eating a bunch of corn, that's a bit. Yeah, so take a little piece of that fat, fry it up, and eat just that. And if that tastes good, then you're good to go ahead and render that down and use it as you need. So, so. <laughs> When's that happening for you guys? Next Next season, right? Can I come down? Yeah. Of course you can. Of course you can. So, uh, I want to kind of say that I'm really envious of what you guys got going on here. Um, Miller, you're welcome anytime, but don't expect to see a large buck. <laughs> that's, that's fine. It's, and I, 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 I truly, really do appreciate that. Um, you know, I kind of, I have a very nostalgic, you know, yearning for like the old cell, uh, deer camp, which is kind of what this sounds like where you guys go out to the Northwoods cabin type deal. And that's never been a big thing in North Dakota. It's not as big a thing out here. The more West you go, it appears not to be as big a thing. Um, you know, and out East, especially in the cultures like uh, Michigan and Maine and Pennsylvania, Northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, you know, that's a huge thing still, you know, deer camp, you know, and this family, or, you know, a lot of family and friend tradition. And it's 
Um, I'm really envious of what you guys got. That's really cool for me to, to, to hear it. So um, There's this magical place in that, Minnesota yeah, in Wisconsin. It's called Up North. All the deer are up north. And when you live down south, you go up, up north, north and you go hunting and fishing. <laughs> and then you go back home. And deer camp's up north. Your camp is up north. That's right. Okay. So uh, one last thing I, I wanted to, to talk about is, Caitlin, you had mentioned wanting to go out west. Now, I'm assuming you, you, you're you going to go right past North Dakota and go out to Montana or wherever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so you're looking at, like, what, an elk hunt, a mule deer hunt? What are you looking to do? Um, first, I'm looking for a mule deer mule deer hunt. Um, Those are awfully elusive, aren't they? Um, not too bad, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My dad get one, but that's what I do. Okay. I don't know. I, I mainly, I mainly want to learn the tracking and stalking method of hunting. So I'm not super particular about what okay. I hunt. Um, I think mule deer would probably be a good intro into that. Um, looking further down the line, yes, I wanted, I want to get into bigger animals. I want to get into elk. I, I would love to do a trip up to Alaska and do, <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> well, me and Miller have talked about no, elk hunting and caribou hunting in Alaska. Elk, uh, and caribou, we've talked about and doing all these things. Like, yeah. I will get eaten by yes. a brown bear. Oh, don't worry about the brown bears in Alaska. I, I, do you realize that every day, every day yeah. they have, in Anchorage, they have the bear attack? Yeah, they I have do. a bear attack report. I've been there, and I I've do. seen lots of brown bears, and I love it. Yeah, but I love Alaska. I could live in Alaska and be extremely happy, they except will for eat my you lack of Right job. before they eat your prey. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to yeah. say that. You just got to be smart about it. I'm just saying that that, that yeah, scares the hell out of me. I'm not saying lucky. that I would be opposed to it. I'm just saying that I think I would, it would scare the hell out of me. Redundant system. I hear. Yes. <laughs> a spray and a big ass gun. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we, did, we did just fine with the spray while salmon fishing in Alaska, but a gun would have been. I think our guide had a gun. None of us did because that was too complicated with flying, but. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, that's kind of my main thing is I just want to learn a different type of hunting. But I also do want to try hunting a different animal. So I, I talked a little bit about how the way my family hunts and the way um, we all hunt is, you know, to fill our freezer. We're not trophy hunting. And I'm, I'm not going to force my family to do anything different. But I think if I can ever afford it, I'm going to buy some land and I'm going to... Um, set it up so that I can get some mature deer, some mature bucks on there because I, I just think it would be fun, you know, and you're going to, you're going to eat them no matter what. And so if you can hunt a mature buck, frankly, that just sounds awesome to me. Like I, I've never seen a mature buck in the wild. So I want to, I want to do that. I want to see that. Um, but I don't have the money for that. So let's go out on some Let's go Trips find them. It. Let's go where they are, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So with all of that in mind, you know, as you know how this podcast is designed, it's kind of, you know, you two are essentially kind of our target audience or you've taken the first step. So, like, how could this podcast help you do that, I guess? Yeah, I think part of it is just getting to know the people around you that hunt. 
I mean, if you live in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Dakota, you know somebody that hunts. And if you just start talking to them, I mean, they might not invite you to hunt, but they might know of some resources. You could have said almost every state in America. That's true, the, yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. yeah, and so I think just talking about it is a huge part. And, and that's part of what I like about what you guys are doing on the podcast, but... Um, for me and Michelle, like we said earlier, like as a woman, there actually are resources in the DNR that you can use to find a guided hunt or something like that. Yeah, I think, you know, for the nice thing about this, like you say, is information. So additional resources to give people, I think, are amazing because it's something that they can grasp onto and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that, you know, off of your, your, your site and I'm going to go to the link and see what's happening there. Um, I also think that just saying it's okay to be a novice. It's yes. okay to okay. not yes. know what the hell you're doing. That's okay. actually But huge. let me pair you with somebody who can help give you the basics so that it's not sure. terrifying. Absolutely. And that is a huge part of what we're trying to do here and what I personally am trying to do on our podcast is... Make it okay to be somebody who's a full-grown adult that potentially has been a full-grown adult. Like, I mean, I would love to take a senior citizen hunting for the first time. Like, I, somebody who's established in their life, and it's okay to have no idea what you're doing. Because I think that's something in the hunting world that if you see an adult out hunting, you assume that they've been doing this their whole life. That's right. So... I try and share on this podcast my experiences where I was an adult and didn't have any idea what I was doing. So that leads me to a question for both of you. Out of your first hunts or your experiences being new hunters, what are the biggest things that, uh, if you're comfortable sharing it, you're like novice moments? Because I think that, that sharing that out in the world and making that okay is something that's very helpful for new people. Like, what was your biggest thing, maybe not a novice moment, but your biggest thing that you found to be uh, something that you wish you would have known before you started? Oh, I think it, that's easy for me because especially coming from where I came from, gun safety. Okay. Okay. So I am, what you know, just handling, handling a firearm, handling a firearm at mm -hmm. Caitlin's place before we actually even left and remembering in my head and running sitting there while all of you guys are super comfortable with your firearms yeah and i'm sitting there going carry it this way check the make sure Muzzle don't control, do that open action. don't yeah, yeah that i was a little obsessed with that and that was a little bit of a distraction for me because these are things that are not natural for me yet but so critical in safety not only for yourself but for the people that you care about Everyone. The most, my biggest nightmare would be to have one of those hunting accidents that you hear about. And it's easy to make it familiar, and right? It's super easy. That's actually my biggest, my biggest anxiety. I have some anxiety going into this next hunt because I know the second time around, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be as supervised as I was the first time around. And I need to remember these things and I need to not screw up. I'm also more comfortable with guns now than I was before. And even that in itself is a little bit of an anxiety-inducing understanding because it's when you're comfortable that things start to go, that things can go wrong. That's very think, interesting, that I being think, more comfortable is a source of anxiety. But I actually. think that's a 
really good point because mm -hmm. you you say that like the way you see the rest of us that was really comfortable with guns. I took gun safety when I was thirteen, and then my, I got my first gun when I was thirteen. Minnesota. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I I'm I'm very yeah up north. <laughs> I'm very comfortable with guns. <laughs> I am not comfortable with gun safety in terms of, uh, that sounded weird. <laughs> I like yeah. that laugh, by the way. That sounded weird how I said it. I'm not eating expand on that a bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Every time I'm holding a gun, I am thinking about gun safety. Every time that oh. I have anything that could harm another person in my hands, I am thinking about it. Like, so the anxiety for me never went away because the second I'm holding a firearm, unloaded even, in my hands, all I am thinking about is we're not going to point it at people. We're going to point it at the ground. We're going to, like, you know, it's not something that went away for me. Yeah. And so getting comfortable with guns and being comfortable with guns is knowing myself and knowing that I am vigilant about gun safety. It's a deal breaker for me personally. Me too. And that's interesting because, like, I don't know about you, Miller, but, like, I saw you holding up a five on the Skype there. Is that to mean that you were five years old when you got your first gun, Miller? I received my first BB gun when I was five. Oh, BB oh, guns, BB for gun. sure. Yeah. yeah. I, but I hold on that. here. I got my first actual, like, rifle. It was a, it was a 22, but it's still a, a potent weapon. I, I received my first when I was nine. Yeah. Um, I probably had my first shotgun at 11. Um, it, I mean, that's just how I grew up. I mean, there was yeah. always guns in the house. Yeah. So. And that's me too. It's blood knowledge at this time. Yeah. Like we've, I mean, like I was saying, I took hunter safety and got actually certified in it for the first time to go hunting with you guys. But like been shooting guns since as far back as I can remember, 22s. And my dad put his 12 gauge in my hand when I was far too young for that. And <laughs> got knocked on your ass. I did. Head. I got knocked back into it. Back into him. I told the story on here. Yeah. It knocked me back. He had to hold me up. And, yeah, I mean, that's all inborn. And it's not, I keep it front of mind, but it's just like, a, it's like a reflex that when you have a firearm, it's your front of your mind and that's it. Yeah. Guns are it. scary and they should always be scary. Yeah. They are something that takes a life. It can be. And we're, we are using it to take a life of an animal. But I, you can never diminish the power that they have. And I think that's maybe where you're saying it's kind of scary when somebody gets comfortable with them because if they get too comfortable with it and they forget that it can actually like kill something or somebody, that is terrifying. Well, you know, and like I said, I mean, I picked up my first gun when I was over 40. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is still a very, I'm still very aware of how new this is for me. And even um, grabbing the rifle today, um, you know, I looked at I looked at Howie, and I'm like, man, it's been a year since I've handled a gun. And actually, there is a personal story that goes along into it because um, my ex-husband actually ended up um, in a um, involuntary um, hold from a medical standpoint, mental illness standpoint, because he, when we were separating, um, got really drunk, threatened suicide. Pulled out a nine millimeter. It was a bad situation, and they ended up having to pull him out of there with a pair of tweezers and a SWAT team. Um, that happened a year ago. 
about a year ago. And I had not, I actually had not handled a gun since. In fact, today I sold the gun that that, hand, that, that whole thing happened with. When I went down to Alvin's today, I actually mm -hmm. sold that gun to them, got rid of it. Um, so it had been a long time for me since I had actually handled a gun outside of hunting last year. Yeah. And so when I went back to the range with Howie, um, I shot the I shot the pistol for a little bit, um, and then I shot the rifle. And there was just this moment of trying to recalibrate my head yeah. into the firearm because it had been so long since I'd hit it, and I had such a traumatic experience. Yeah. With it, um, not a year later. Yeah. Wow. Silence falls on the crowd. <laughs> I, Holy shit with I deep. Just, I, well, still, though, that's interesting that that it has... It is interesting. You know... And I think it's important that you can differentiate. Right. And that's interesting that yeah. that has uh, affected the experience a little bit. And, I mean, of course it would. Sure. But uh, it's interesting that I think, number one, you're committed enough and enjoy the hunting activity enough to... Uh, work past that and continue to stay involved and I just think the whole experience is very interesting which is a huge reason why not that particular experience but your wide variety of experience is a huge reason why we wanted to have your voice on okay. our show so thanks Michelle you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I cannot thank you both enough this has been Awesome. I can't wait to listen to this one, honestly. <laughs> um, is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to cover? Do you have any questions of, of us, I guess? No, I thought it was a great conversation. It was. Okay, so you can totally cut this from the podcast, but like going into this, I was like, oh, podcast. I don't know that I'm into that, but this is really fun. Right, it's super fun, isn't it? <laughs> Honestly, I'd love to have both of you back on after your totally season. Just, just to talk to your hunting again, but you, you two are a blast. And I, I love your perspective on this. It's fun, and, and okay, then now this part you can keep. Honestly, I love that you're involving women and hunting in it because um, I like that you guys are trying to get more people into hunting because for conservation's sake, like, I think it's really important to keep hunters and um, that includes, like, getting millennials into hunting mm -hmm. and getting, is it Gen Z now, um, into hunting yes. and, <laughs> yeah, whatever well, it is. Well, I think that's, that's actually one of the things that's pretty exciting. Yeah. So my son, oh, have kids. I have kids. So my daughter um, is hardly speaking to me because I shot Bambi last year and I'm probably <laughs> shooting Bambi again. She's not feeling it. She's 11. Tell mm -hmm. her, um, do you want to know what my dad did when I loved Bambi and he shot deer? He told me he shot the bad deer. I don't I think your daughter's too old to believe no, she, that. She, yeah, she doesn't buy Dang that it. sort of thing. Um, no, mom just is terrible, mostly. Yep. But um, I'm, it's still an example. Like, she still sees it happening, and I do mm -hmm. think that there's positive stuff. Oh, but my yeah. son, who is a senior in high school, he's 17, um, he looked at me when I announced that um, I was going up again and said, when am I going? When are you taking me? And um, I'm like, year. I, I kind of just <laughs> Next like, year. you know what? And we went to the range this morning, and as we're driving to the run down to the range, Howie's like, 
would Nate like this? Should we take him next time? And sure enough, as soon as we got back, he was like, yes. you went? He's like, I yes. want to go. So my son is as a Gen Z 17-year-old, and yeah. he's super interested in this, and I can see him... Um, I can see getting him interested, and I, I'm, I'm excited to do that. My The thing I am most excited about for this hunting season is, um, I call her my niece. Technically, she's like my cousin once removed or something. But anyway, like basically a relationship of aunt and niece. She is coming hunting for the first time ever. And she's 12. Nice. And third weekend she is coming up and she is coming hunting and I'm like I call dibs on having her in my deer stand I am just so excited it's it there's something so I mean I had it with you with bringing you up yep. for your first time there's something that is just like so exciting and so much fun about bringing somebody out to get their first deer and, well, and I'm excited to do it again I'm excited I'm I'm excited about the fact that you have two women Mm-hmm. Who are the ones bringing? It's not dad. Right. Yes, right. Absolutely. So the two women yes. bringing in, um, bringing in the new hunters. That's yep. kind of fucking cool. It's there's the awesome. And I, I Caitlin, dropped a couple, but they've been important. <laughs> they've been important ones. You've dove into that aspect mm-hmm. of hunting like sooner than I know of anybody doing that. Like this is awesome. Everyone else that I know, <laughs> you need to come with me and do it too. Well, and being super excited about yeah. teaching new people, getting their first. Uh, getting their first experiences out there because it's I if I may extremely meaningful for you so that's why Miller and I are doing what we're doing because this is extremely meaningful for us it's something I've found meaning in recently or rediscovered meaning in recently and that's why we're excited to have both of you on here and why we're doing what we're trying to do and your kind words about it were too much but uh (laughs) that's exactly what we're trying to do so The more we can do that, the more we can engage people is our entire purpose here. And you well, dove into that head first. I think within I, a year you dove I, into within that. Within a year I dove into that because I think it's easier to recruit people when you're new right. and when you're excited. And I think when you you lose some of that not excitement, but you you lose some of that um, freshness. Yeah, but you lose the freshness. You you can't quite explain, like, I don't know, the adrenaline of the first deer you got, like, five years later. And, you know, I'm, I'm still new to hunting. I'm, I'm six years in, and I, I sometimes feel like I should be a lot more experienced than I am. But then other times I'm like, you know, it's kind of good that I'm not because I want to learn more. And my desire to learn more is also what brings other people into it. For sure. Hey, Miller. Yeah. Do you learn about hunting every time you go out still? I'm humbled every time I go out. It's <laughs> one of my favorite things about I it. I love it. Is that you never stop learning about it. You, you never do. And, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to answer my, what you guys asked of what you, what you learn. And, oh, yeah. um, I feel that, and I hope this doesn't come off as, a know-it-all or holier than that, because that's really not my intention. Um, but I, I think all three of you will get to this point as well. Um, is and I'm gonna I'm gonna lay this off on Aldo Leopold because he can explain it better than I can. That he become he started to learn to think like the mountain, and that was 
his big learning thing. It wasn't just about, yeah, I can learn a new trick, I can learn a new tactic, you know, but I can learn more the place and all of it. Um, and how, you know, how the habitat thinks about it, not just, not just how the deer moves, not, you know, but how, why the deer moves because the, um, because the wolf is over there, you know, and, uh, you know, the more you're out there, the more you'll learn to pick up on all of that. Um, you know, we call it woodsmanship or call it whatever you want, but, uh, it's, it's the natural bushcraft. Yeah. It's the natural progression of things that you'll, you'll learn. So, um, you know, where you, Michelle, use a lot of your gardening stuff, you know, with your wild game. I use a lot of my foraging now with wild game because now I know what all these yummy things I'm picking pairs with this. And I know where, where to find them, when to find them, where I'm seeing the deer, why they're there. You know, I can pick apart a piece of land and, like, that's where he's going to be bedding at. He's probably watering over here. You know, and you, you learn, you build this database knowledge and, uh, and I, I know just because of how enthusiastic you three have been here in this conversation, you're going to get to that point. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for you. You know, you, Michelle, you talked about a journey, and you're right, it is. You're, and uh, it, it's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad we had this conversation. Well, Miller, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to this. I want to learn foraging. Okay. I've been starting to in the yeah. last year or I, so want to so much we can figure it out that i know places that are close if you can drive to my okay. house we can go find places I can do that. okay no i think you summed it up perfect so i think this yeah. is a good time to wrap it up uh thank you both so much do you have anything else you want to say i'll open it up you guys are all right all right i see shaking heads uh for those that aren't <laughs> in the room with us but uh really appreciate everything i truly enjoyed our conversation uh, as always, you can always find ways to educate yourself, uh, get involved with uh, uh, federations and groups in your area, quality deer management, uh, North, Amer or, yeah, North American Wild Turkey Foundation, Pheasants Forever, Ducks Unlimited, Quality Deer Management Associations. You're becoming a woman of the outdoors. Becoming a woman of the outdoors. DNR. Your local wildlife management association, state, federal level, all have programs. Uh, many specifically geared towards women. Many specifically geared towards new hunters. Um, so take advantage, get involved. Talk to people at work at lunch and talk about what they're eating. Maybe it's venison and they'll invite you out to their parents' place. Or bring venison for potlucks. Bring venison for potlucks. Get people involved. If you are a hunter share we hunt to share and that's another thing i really love about hunting is giving people something that i've worked so hard at myself um thanks to craig minowa and cloud cult for letting us use the song running with the wolves as the intro and outro to our program uh sharpen your teeth dig deep get out there Cubicles and little flaming